It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clark Deals is where you can go to save money throughout the Christmas shopping season. Speaking of which, coming up later in today's Clark Rage, a family ordered to take down their Christmas decorations. How could that happen? And coming up yet later, I got another way for you to save on prescription drugs. I'll fill you in on a money-saving opportunity. So I want to talk to you about a crime that is growing exponentially according to the FBI. And this is one that we have had on the air. I've done it on in my TV work. I've done it here on the air on our show. And I want to make sure you understand this clearly. The target, individual consumers, typically homeowners, and business owners of small and mid-sized businesses can also happen to nonprofits. All right, so there are many wrinkles to this. Let me set the table for you of generally what you need to watch for. You're selling your home or you're buying a home. Most often I'm going to talk about how home buyers get ripped off. So you get instructions for the amount of money you need to send in for the home closing. And you'll get those instructions from an escrow agent, real estate agent, or a closing attorney. Or it could be more than one party will send you those instructions. And they'll have specific wiring information for you. What's happening is criminals are infiltrating email services, taking over the email of real estate agents, lawyers, and escrow agents. So what they do is they're just lurking in there. They're not making it clear that they are infiltrated into the email. Then they'll be watching emails about transactions taking place. And when they see one about wiring instructions, they'll wait till just before a closing and they will go into the email of whichever the official is, the lawyer, the escrow agent, or the real estate agent, and they will write from their email, send a new one. And it will say, revise wiring instructions or updated wiring instructions. And you think, hey, this is just what I'm supposed to do, and you wire the money for your closing to the crooks instead of to whoever it is is supposed to receive the money for your down payment and other closing costs. You show up for your closing, and they say, where's your money? And you say, I already sent it. And that money is gone forever. The banking industry has not come up with any facility or security procedure to protect your money in these transactions. It's just gone. There's a fail on the part of the banking industry that's having enormous consequences for consumers. 
then for businesses and nonprofits, there may be a supplier you regularly pay or whatever. Same thing happens. Your email account will be infiltrated by a crook. They'll see the patterns. They'll see what's going on. And then they will send emails that are quite sophisticated, giving new instructions about who to pay or where to pay by ACH or by wire. And you end up sending money to the crooks on a one-way trip with zero way to ever recover the money. So how do you handle this? Know that you cannot trust wiring instructions or ACH instructions anymore that come by email, period. They are not trustworthy. You must call the responsible party at whatever business it would be same thing with the real estate closing with the agent, the escrow agent, the lawyer, and you verify the instructions over the phone. Make sure you look up the number on your own independently of whatever's in that email. So otherwise you could be calling the crooks. And follow that procedure every time because remember, if you get conned, Under current banking practice, there is no way for you to ever recover the money. Julie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Julie. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. So, Julie, you are a very loving daughter, and you want to make sure your parents are well taken care of. What's going on? Well, I work in um, a hospital as an intensive care nurse, and well, I thank see you, that thank happen. you for thank you for doing that work. I Thanks. mean, think how many people, how many years have you been doing that? Um, about five years now. So think about in those five years, you and the people that are working on a team on a patient, how many people's lives you've saved over the years by what you've chosen as your profession. Yep, it's kind of what keeps you moving in the career. Well, good for you, and keep saving lives, okay? (laughs) Thanks. Um, So with the job, I've seen people pass well before their time, and I want to make sure that if I do pass before my parents do, that the assets that I currently have will pass to them um, and hopefully not get taken away by Medicaid if they ever end up on Medicaid. So I wasn't sure if I should do a trust or a will. So in that circumstance, with the preamble of what you said, you would definitely be in a trust mode and not a will. But this is not something you can do on your own. You will will need to hire either an elder law attorney and that's a specialty category of the law, or a lawyer who does wills, estates, and trusts. Or someone who does elder law and also does wills, estates, and trusts would be like the perfect combo deal. Okay. Because in the event that you do live a normal lifespan, you're going to likely well outlive your parents. And so you need to have a second plan. What happens otherwise and where you'd want your money to go other than to your parents 
So okay. this is a case where there would be a very sp- specific circumstance where you're trying to avoid what's known as a Medicaid spend down, where the state yeah. seizes the funds. And so you're thinking ahead of time, you're thinking this through the right way, and that's why the only way to protect them and you is to actually bring that money out of your wallet and hire a lawyer who this is what he or she does. Not just any old lawyer. It needs to be someone who this is their area of expertise. Okay. And the reason I mentioned the two types of lawyers is often lawyers who do wills, estates, and trusts will not be as familiar as you would need them to be on the rules on Medicaid spend down and protecting assets from Medicaid. And that's where an elder law attorney comes front and center. And that's why my first hope would be you could find an elder law attorney who also draws up um, trusts. Okay. And then also, um, my parents are also in the same situation where now they're wanting to have their will drawn up to leave their assets to me. Should we look at, in that situation, should we look at a will or a trust when they do their paperwork? I defer on that to the lawyer you're going to hire. Okay. And so this is perfect to deal with the whole circumstance of your parents and you and each of your wishes all together as part of one process and interviewing with the lawyer you end up choosing. Okay. So, and I will tell you this about the Medicaid thing. The rules are a moving target. And just because you do what complies with the law today, the law could be very different a few years from now. And you want a lawyer who's going to stay on top of that and will send a notice to clients when the laws change on uh, the protecting assets from the Medicaid program. Jen joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jen. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Jen. So my question is, I, too, actually work in a hospital and I'm a nurse, and um, I'm asking about life insurance. So through my job, I get... And what kind of nurse are you? Uh, I'm a transplant nurse. Really? Lung transplant. Yeah, I work in lung transplant. So I ditto what I said before also for (laughs) you. Wow. Think how many lives you've been part of saving. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love it. How about that? Okay. (laughs) So my question is um, life insurance. I get basic life insurance one times my salary. And I signed up for supplemental life insurance two times my salary. Um, Do I need additional term or whole life insurance? You would have to be earning more money than any nurse in America before you'd need whole life. (laughs) Because okay. under the tax brackets now, a single individual or uh, doesn't need to even consider a whole life till their income is over five hundred thousand. A married couple more like six hundred fifty thousand, and uh, I don't think nurses make those many zeros in their paycheck. No, unless I worked twenty four seven. Right, right. So <laughs> you would best be served by term insurance, and if your health is good and no pre-existing conditions, it's much better for you to have your own level term insurance policy 
than have the group coverage that you're buying 2x of at work because that has to be made available to people regardless of medical condition so if you can medically underwrite you get a better deal buying your own and then you have something the premium's going to stay level over the time period you want to own it i'm sorry to ask you this but approximately how old are you i'm 42 right so you would be looking typically at 20 year level term okay unless you had very young children in which case you might buy a 30 year level term policy okay yeah no 20 years so 20 year and so the premium will be what seems higher at first but the premium stays the same all through these next 20 years okay and i've got information on clark.com about buying level term plus there are companies now that will sell it to you using your medical history they can find online rather than doing the normal thing where you have to wait for one of your fellow nurses to come visit and poke you and pride yeah. you and take blood yeah. and all that <laughs> all right good to know i wasn't sure about that at all yeah and so the insurance at work is really great for that you have to buy additional if you've got pre-existing like i'm uninsurable because of pre-existing so having it through work is the only way i can get it but in in a case where you are healthy then you want to have it on your own today's clark rageous moment is just one of those things that makes you shake your head so i read this in the new york daily news it's about a family in san antonio that was required by their homeowners association to pull down their christmas decorations because november's just too early to have christmas decorations now i think about christmas decorations show up in retail stores in august if somebody right after halloween is in the christmas spirit and they want to put up decorations let them put up decorations and who are these people at this homeowners association that are such ebenezer scrooges that the simonis are not allowed to have their decorations up now why did they put them up in november instead of december well Claudia Simone is eight months pregnant and she wanted him up while she was still able to help and the homeowners association said nope nope you got to pull them all down and then start all over the couple says come and sue us we're not pulling them down and i'm with them because the christmas spirit is something that should live inside each of those board members of that homeowners association in san antonio and let the family launch into the christmas spirit seriously joel help me out here all right let's take and ask clark Will says, Clark, you've mentioned how how it's harder for young folks to find a good financial planner. 
Have you looked into XY Planning Network? It's a group of fee-only advisors who cater to younger clients who charge on an hourly or subscription model. Their network is based less on already having money, but instead helping people build wealth, buy a house, etc. Yeah, XY Planning Network is a great organization. It's a wonderful place for somebody who wants the human touch, and it is a different way of doing accessible, affordable advice is what's going on now with Betterment and Wealthfront and Schwab and Fidelity and Vanguard. It is more personal, and the subscription model is a way for you to get that advice like Schwab's doing at 30 a month. They're doing the same kind of thing at XY. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is our bargain site with deals we post all the time. And time for me to call myself out. I have repeatedly over the years talked about why I buy over-the-counter meds at Dollar Tree. Because they're all a buck. And I'll see things that are available at Dollar Tree for a dollar. And the same item will be at one of the chain drugstores for seven or eight bucks. But Dollar Tree has harmed their reputation because the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has issued a warning to Dollar Tree for having foreign manufactured drugs on their shelves that have been found to be adulterated. Now, these are items that Dollar Tree has on that health aisle that are topicals. I think that's the right term for them, that you apply to the surface of the skin. This is not any of the Dollar Tree things like the ibuprofen or um, antacids or anything that you actually ingest, take, swallow, whatever. But I don't care that it... that it's items like patches or, or something like that that you put on your skin, you should know that those items are safe. And Dollar Tree says they're cooperating with the FDA, and the reality is this is a zero-tolerance area, and people are automatically suspicious about buying something like a med at Dollar Tree or 99 cent only or any uh, store where everything's a dollar. And there's a higher burden of proof that presents itself to a dollar store because people just automatically assume it can't be okay. And Dollar Tree, bad on you, fix this, and then be transparent about how you're going to make sure moving forward that the -the over-the-counter meds that you have and you sell are A-OK and meet standards. Um, I want to talk about something Sam's Club is doing in the drug category. So Sam's Club has a really tough time getting people to pay for their, what they call their plus membership, which Costco knocks out of the park selling executive memberships. That's the more expensive one. So Sam's Club is looking for ways to stand out. So 
I guess in research, they found that prescription drugs are a really important thing to their, uh, to their members. And so to try to get people to spend, I think it's 100 bucks a year for the PLUS membership, Sam's Club now has a prescription drug program with massive numbers of prescriptions available at either $4 or $10. They also have others that don't fit the program, and they're highlighted in bold. But the list is extremely long, and they update the price list every so often. The list I'm looking at is four weeks old, so I don't know if they update once a month or just whenever there are price changes. But this list is so comprehensive that if you take a fair number of prescription drugs and you've been paying more for them, you can take this list with you to the doctor, and when the doctor's going to write a script, show them everything that's available here, and he or she can look up the med and see um, which ones are available for what ails you for $4 for a prescription or $10 for a prescription. This is so important because the number of drugs being abandoned at the pharmacy counter is massive. One estimate is roughly a third of all prescriptions are abandoned because people can't afford them. The other stat that I don't know there's a there's a solid number on it, maybe just, uh, is that anecdotal? Is that the right? I always got that wrong. Anyway, um, people who start stretching a med by either skipping dosages or cutting dosages in half or in quarters because they can't afford to fill the, the refill and so they're way under dosing on a medicine that may be important for their health or their life. And that's why up front, you taking control with the price point before the doctor writes a script is key to making sure those medicines can be filled and taken as the doctor has prescribed. Tammy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly, Tammy. So you have a college kid, too. I have one and two more coming up very quickly. Um, and uh, what year is your one already in college? She is in her freshman year. Are you going to end up with three in college at the same time? Unfortunately, yes. Wow. See, I, I avoided that by having kids so far apart in age. I never had two in school at the same time. There's a 16-year <laughs> so gap from my oldest to my youngest. Oh, no, we were blessed a little quicker than that. Okay. Well, how can I be of help with this? Well, we're trying to determine whether our daughter should take um, unsubsidized loans um, in order to not have to take a private loan by her fourth year. Yeah, the unsubsidized Staffords would be a, the best choice. Uh, but the Staffords, you know, have a pretty tight limit on them. Will she be able to have enough money to defray the cost that she needs in what she would she, be borrowing under the Staffords? Um, 
She probably would. Yes, she's very close to having what she needs each year. However, we've done a a spreadsheet going forward, and by the fourth year, she will not, um, unless she does the unsubsidized loans. Our only question is, if we do that unsubsidized loan each year and um, hold that money for the coming years, they're they start accruing interest exactly right from the (laughs) get-go yeah so we didn't know if that negates the savings that we would have by not having to get a private loan um we're afraid that she might not be qualified for a private loan because as of right now she really doesn't have any credit sure and so what's expected in the private loan market is that you would sign a guarantee or that you would be a co-signer and it'd be great for you to avoid that. So given a choice between, let's say, in sophomore year, even though she won't need the money yet, borrowing it and having to pay the interest for a year or two longer than necessary would be better than her taking out private loans. Okay, that was our thinking, but we weren't sure if we were really right in that thinking. So am I right about this, that it's 6500 as a sophomore, and then 7500 each year as a junior and senior. Is that what the limits are now? Um, we were told 5500 for her freshman year, right, and that's that right. it would be um, 6500 for each year. Okay, so my understanding is it goes up 1000 for the sophomore year over the freshman, another 1000 for junior, but then doesn't go up for senior year, if I remember right. Okay, so we did not know that. We thought it was going to be the same for sophomore, junior, and senior. So that's a positive. Uh, And so that probably would absolutely keep her from having to get a private loan. Well, that's perfect. Okay. Okay. And and if she graduates with uh, $22,000, let us say, in loan debt, that is a manageable amount of loan debt. Okay. For virtually any course of study in college and career that she would embark on. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your help. We appreciate it. Certainly. You know, the student loans don't become a real burden until you start outstripping what annual income would be out of college. And that's when it can become a serious burden that can go on for a long time. And I think about the people I hear from with student loan debt and the hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's scary. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Clark. Kevin, you got a question for me about a Tesla. Uh, yeah. So um, I heard recently you mentioned you had one, which I was a little surprised at because they, they're very expensive. But, you know, it's um, funny you say that. I'll, I'll yeah. repeat something you haven't heard, but others have. Until I got a Tesla, the most expensive vehicle I'd ever had was a Toyota Prius that I paid like $19,000 for. Oh, wow. And so Tesla took me outside of my normal comfort zone, and now I can't imagine driving anything else. Well, that was kind of my question, because I'm the type that buys a new car and drives it till the wheels fall off, and I've heard Teslas have some reliability issues. So I'd yeah, like in to fact, buy one Consumer, Reports, Consumer Reports has been unhappy with them enough that they took them off their recommended buy list and... They recently put Tesla back on the recommended buy list because the quality has improved. 
and the mm-hmm. quality kind of things are all like because there's really nothing that can go wrong with what you'd normally think of on a vehicle. There's, there's no engine, there's no transmission, and the batteries just work, and they're guaranteed for a long, long time. It's things like um, what I've experienced over the years is the handles present when you walk up to the vehicle, and mm-hmm. the S's and the X's, and one of the handles will get stuck, or okay. a window won't go up and down like it should. It's aggravations, not things that are fundamental to the vehicle operating. Awesome. Okay. Are now you I just thinking of getting yeah. a 3 or an S or an X? Um, it depends. <laughs> Maybe the 3. It's, it's the, the cost difference between all of them is kind of a little hard to swallow. Um, so the 3 seems to be most popular. Um, so I'm considering that. But the S is very, um, um, you appealing? know, I'm very interested in that one. Yeah. Yes, appealing. All popular. right. So with the, with the S's, you can find 2016 S's at a price roughly equivalent to what you'd buy a new Model 3 for. Oh, okay. And if you buy one from Tesla, they cover it for four years, I think it's four years, 50,000 miles, if you oh, buy wow. a used yeah, Model S. Okay. So that would be something you can consider. Great. Thanks. But um, they really are... I'm not a car person, mm-hmm. and this is weird, and this is going to be sound like such a stupid statement. Every time I get in the Tesla, it feels like it's my birthday. It never <laughs> nice. gets old, and it's more fun to drive by far than any vehicle I've ever been in. Awesome. So um, it, it's a very special experience, and I'm embarrassed to say it because... They are so expensive. I mean, the the Model 3s start at $38,000, which is, and you can buy one for that and be happy driving it just as it comes, but that's a lot of money to pay for a vehicle. And if you get one of the S's, it's $80,000 for a new one. And an X is, I think, $85,000 for a new one. So that's that's a big money market. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Philip is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Philip. Hey, good morning, Clark. Nice to hear you from you. Well, good to have a chance to speak with you with a question that has you a little worried about your home. Tell me. <laughs> well, you know, we can lock up our identity and lock up this and lock up that. There's so much insurance for life. But it just is getting aggravating for 
one fee after another to be coming out of the checking account. So the recent one is I heard about, oh, you need to lock up your mortgage so that you can't lose your home because people are now able to somehow sell your home without your knowledge and steal your mortgage and... I'm, is this true? How can that be possible? Well, actually, you want people to steal your mortgage. You want them to pay your mortgage for you. <laughs> but what they're actually doing is they're stealing equity. So let's say you own a home that's, I'm just going to use round numbers. Yeah. Let's say your home is worth uh, $300,000 and you owe 100000 on it. All right. Um, so somebody who comes along and tries to steal from you might pretend to be you, uh, forge signatures, and file for a home equity line of credit. Mm -hmm. And so let's say your home would stand $100,000 on a HELOC. So they apply for it pretending to be you, and they um, do all the paperwork, and then they say, congratulations, it's approved, and then they immediately grab that $100,000 First, you know of it is when you start getting bills for this HELOC and you're like, what's this about? I don't have a home equity line of credit. That's a very common thing people will do. It's called equity stripping. Mm -hmm. There's another con where people will actually um, try to, if they find a house that's owned free and clear, they'll try to either take out a loan against it or sell it impersonating you and then get the money at the closing table and run away with it now the Mm. these are ugly scams are actually very rare and now many jurisdictions around the country offer a thing where you can sign up for a free notification service where Mm -hmm. they notify you if there's any weird stuff going on with your home and the title for it so well, free sounds good. Yeah, that's a good price, right? So right. you just check with your county and see if there's a registration where they send you either a text or an email or both when there's anything going on with your home title. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. And But paying for this, one of these services that claim they're going to uh, watch out for your title, mm-hmm. you know, often they're not going to do anything till after the damage has already occurred they'll find out about it and then they tell you and so you paid a subscription for something that i just don't put much value on okay well that allays some of my fears and i'm going to get on that right away talk to the county and maybe people calling their counties that aren't doing this kind of thing yet will spur them along to have a title registry kind of email notification to protect their own taxpayers and their tax base. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.